Hello, and again, welcome to BitDev. I'm Santiago Ramones. Next to me is... Mac Siegel. Thank you for doing this with me and letting me be self-indulgent for my stuff. <laughs> Although you're usually here for the self-indulgent yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's kind so. of become my, my role. <laughs> and I am honored and flattered. Well, thank you. So today we're talking about Ghostly, which is track five of the album. So I guess your first impressions and then whatever questions you got. I really like it. I think that there's a, uh, without just doing like a synopsis of the song, there's it's just a really fun like development of a couple of harmonic ideas and then textures and vibe. And it's just like, it's just dripping with vibe. There's a lot of vibe and I really like it. I'm down with that. <laughs> I didn't know I was giving a review. I would have thought harder about it. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I just came with questions. <laughs> well then, yeah, just start with questions. I'm made of questions. Well, the first thing I wanted to ask is just kind of the sort of the stereotypical first thing you ask a songwriter about a song is like, mm-hmm. what is, what was the general, like, how did you arrive at the thing that is ghostly? Like, was it, did you start with the idea? Was it noodling that turned into a thing or was there like a goal in mind? So this entire album is the very first things I ever made with a computer. And so the album's in chronological order. And so this one is whenever I like got past those four other tracks mm-hmm. and was messing with stuff. So at the time, uh, I started this album in like 2013, and it was kind of done in 2015. And so at the time, I was majoring in vocal music ed at UCO, and I had piano classes and music theory and vocal lessons and all that stuff. And so every morning, I would go into a practice room before class which would be at like 7 a.m. or something. And so I I would be happy to get there at 7 a.m. so that I could take my hour or so to practice before class. And instead of maybe practicing the vocal stuff that I should have been, I did practice those as well. But other times I would also just like noodle. Sure. Your secret's safe with me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's not like anything is holding me accountable for school yeah. anymore anyways. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, and so one thing that I was kind of playing with at the time, and since all of classical music structure is so regimented and stuff, I was like, I like chromaticism. And so right from the get-go, here's a diminished chord. And I just liked how that felt on my hand. And I liked how it sounded kind of odd and creepy and stuff. And so I was enjoying, since I wasn't a very good piano player, I'm still not a very good piano player. It's a lot easier to just move chromatically Mm -hmm. and you can see it and you can feel it. And so this idea. Would kind of grow out of that from the noodling and just kind of playing with this chromatic movement, playing with these, weird sounding chords that weren't even really chords. I didn't think of them as chords. It was just a series of notes that sounded interesting together. And so I would just kind of move around with that. And then it would kind of move back around and kind of 
play with that chromaticism and not really have to be worried about being in a key, but just making sounds. And that was really the foundation of, hey, let me just express creatively rather than be focused on trying to make something on purpose. <laughs> I was going to ask, I, I told you earlier, I came with like three questions because I knew we were going to branch off and go on lots of different things. <laughs> yeah. and this was not one of those, but I was going to ask about kind of the, uh, the harmonic structure of it because mm. uh, it's not, if you are, if you were to like pick it apart, it's not simple, but it never gets bigger than three note chords. I was kind of wondering where, like how that fits with some of what you're doing now and some of the more complex, ambitious things. And it's like, where does that, where does this song fit in that development? I think it's like, since it was just an experimentation of not worried about harmony or a key or whatever it might be, this experimentation with just doing anything is kind of what allowed me to kind of shrug off the regimented feel that came from studying classical music and studying music theory. And so everything kind of comes back around. And so people always say like, you got, you have to learn the rules before you can break them. And so as I was learning the rules, I was trying to break them. And then now that I know all the rules, I know why this sounds interesting to me. Turns out there are rules for how you're breaking the rules. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that this still holds over to me by kind of allowing myself that sort of harmonic freedom or melodic freedom and not having to be stuck in a key because whenever you work with key signatures for so long, that just kind of becomes the crutch. And so it's nice to kind of look back on this one and be able to go, I don't have to. (laughs) And so I can just play whatever I want. Another one that I played with at the time was another chromatic thing. And I was just kind of moving chromatically around because I didn't know how to play piano very well. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of... I use this term a lot to describe this album, but like naive intuition mm-hmm. that I was creating, not knowing necessarily what I was doing, but I was feeling where I wanted to go. And it's tough whenever you keep doing music and you kind of lose that naivete because you know too much now. And so like everything kind of informs what you're doing. And so With this, I'm able to kind of tap into that and know that I'm capable of doing that sort of stuff and allow myself that sort of freedom. And so, yeah, harmonically, it's like, here's a diminished chord. Here's like a suspended chord. Here's a like a major chord with a flat five. Mm -hmm. Here's a major chord. And I can pick that apart and analyze why that makes sense. But really whenever you're just looking at it on your hand, it's just, I'm just moving stepwise Mm -hmm. and that's what makes sense. And so it, it's nice to have the balance between here's a very intentional chord structure sort of thing. And this just feels nice on my hand and I like how it sounds. And so allowing yourself that freedom, even the more that you learn can allow you to tap into more things. 
<laughs> awesome. I really like the idea of like looking back as a more knowledgeable, experienced creator on the the things that you did with the limitations that were just like lack of knowledge. Mm. I was really curious about because this was all done on a like a, a light version of Ableton, yeah, yeah. correct? Yeah. And I was really curious how you feel like those limitations affected the track and maybe the the project as a whole. And if there's anything that Santiago at the time was <laughs> not wishes he could have done with this track, maybe looking back, you're you're proud of it and you're glad that it is what it is now. But is there anything that you wish you could have done that you were bumping up against limitations for? It's a funny thing because pretty much all of the tracks mm-hmm. on this album, except for maybe the last one, which is Space, which is actually at that point I had developed as much as I could because the album is in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Every other track, I never bumped up against the limits. Okay. I I was just trying stuff and I was like, cool, this is good. Doesn't need any more. And so it's kind of a, in retrospect, it's actually kind of a freeing thing too, because it feels like whenever you, you take the limits off, you feel like you have to do more with mm-hmm. it. And so it's like, oh no, it needs more something else. I need, I need another track to do this thing and another track to do this thing. Yeah. And it's... I still have 986 empty tracks I can use. <laughs> exactly. And it's... But you don't. Like this This song only has one, two, three, really four tracks. Yeah. And that's all it really needs to be. The piano does what it needs to. There's chords, there's drums, and there's like a synthy, creepy thing. And that's it. (laughs) And I, at the time, I didn't feel like it needed any more. I just finished it and I was like, yep, that's the track. And maybe with my bias and full freedom, maybe I would do something more with it, but it doesn't actually need anything else. Mm-hmm. That's the track. And so I, I never really hit the limits of it because I was satisfied with what I made. And that's something that more grown up Santiago needs to learn sometimes mm-hmm, yeah. too. And I'm sure lots of other creators too, but it's like, you can just, make something and it doesn't have to be incredibly complex. It doesn't have to be incredibly full of content or whatever that might be. It can just be a simple thing. And that's, that's the song. I remember Dr. Pants, David had Mm -hmm. talked about a song that his wife had done. And whenever they were working on this album, it was just like, like a minute long song. It was just a little Mm kind of thing and a short little story And they like took it to this person and were like, can we do more with this? And they're like, no, that's the song. (laughs) And and sometimes, sometimes that is just the song and that's it. So cool. Let it be that. And that's, that's the nice part to know about it. Yeah. (laughs) You just barely mentioned what was going to be my third question and a maybe question where we get into some just like nerdy personal curiosities. And I, about the drums. I had thought of a lot of ways of like wording this that would have been totally unnecessary. So I'm just going to say drums, question mark. Yes. How do they get in there? What are they? What am I hearing? Because I've heard you say before that you're not really, uh, you don't consider the rhythmic percussive part your like specialty. 
right. necessarily. And that the percussion in here is is really good, like really good. <laughs> and I'm just wondering how, what that what what was that? What is it? Yeah. Like, so, I I feel like I always say this, but I feel like I should have been a drummer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do percussion in middle school when they were there, like, oh, pick your instrument or whatever. But like everyone wanted to do percussion, and so not everyone got to do percussion. And so then I was like, all right, I guess I'll do trumpet. And then I tried playing the trumpet and it didn't work. And so then I went to trombone. And I feel like I've always been like scorned that I never <laughs> got to play drums. But in a weird way, what I lack in my ability to physically play drums, I feel like I've always had like a sense of what I want the rhythm to do. Mm-hmm. Something that I've noticed about this track, I didn't have this notion yet, but I do this now. Anytime I'm programming drums, I always want to make sure that it is physically possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have that principle yet. And so some of this stuff, I was just like, input sounds, play drums. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is like super simple, short loops. So simple. Mm-hmm. Still simple, a little bit more growth. Movement. <laughs> kind of like allowing more space in that one. This is a lot of kick. (laughs) I just love this one so much specifically, it's so good. something else that I do in this one is I put a delay on it and that just like it doubles everything and it just makes it so much more frantic yeah I love that yeah so (laughs) that's good some of the so what I'm saying about like being physically possible. There's always a pattern going on in the ride, Mm -hmm. but there might be some stuff happening in the snare that's like a little quick to do at that volume without Mm -hmm. reaching for your other hand. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess if you like work on it, you can do it with Mm -hmm. one hand and it's fine. But then once the delay comes in, that it's definitely physically impossible. Like no one can actually make all that sound. But (laughs) there's a big like Stuart Copeland vibe in there once you kick the delay. It's really, it's really awesome. But it's, it's really just three drums, kick, Mm -hmm. snare, right. And again, kind of what I was saying about the, the limitations or lack of limitations. I never hit the walls of Mm -hmm. the limits because you can still do so much with so little. And so 
each time, like I wanted there to be growth or whenever the feeling kind of goes back to an initial thing, like the drums came back down and there was a little bit less, but then once it like really kicks into high gear, like there's a lot more. And so with the drums, it's just like, I don't know, the, the, the stuff gets really complex, Mm -hmm. especially in the ride. So, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a a double thing in there, but it, that rhythmic complexity and how it kind of leans into the beat, Mm -hmm. I think is what I was going for. Yeah. And again, intuitive naivete, the, I was just kind of feeling out what felt right for the moment. And so in a weird way, it's like, I I wish I was a drummer. And so this is, this is sort of my opportunity. This is actually the first track on the album that has drums. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I think it was the first time that I was messing with drums yeah. and like allowed myself to do the stuff that I mm-hmm. always wish I could play. Yeah. And maybe now I can try to learn to play if I had a drum set, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that idea of making, or even just, giving credence to the idea of trying to make it something that would be playable really that's something i've only it took me a long time to even figure that out and in this track when when you solo it it's obviously like program drums but you could almost be convinced uh when it's all in the mix that that it's not in Mm. a few parts and uh and it's not the dynamic and it's not this like rhythmic looseness because it's loops but it's just I think it's just the realism of thinking, what are the hands doing and putting everything there? So that's, I, I really enjoyed that in particular. Hey. Creepy synth question mark. Creepy synth. Yes. So that is. But in, I noticed it about halfway through the song on like my third listen. Sure. And yeah. So I don't claim to be using any unique, interesting sounds that I build from scratch. This mm-hmm. was me messing around in Ableton. This was an Ableton preset. Okay. Like, <laughs> there's nothing and I, I feel like maybe again now with my producer knowledge and all this stuff it's like oh maybe I could have done something else or maybe you should build your sounds from scratch because if you're using presets then someone else could do that sound I don't care I didn't care yeah. uh, and so this is if you have Ableton Live light or however full of a version this is Seashore Pad It's one of the pads that is built in Ableton. If you actually like look at the piano roll, it's just two notes an octave away. And so it's actually just like. Mm -hmm. But it has a lot of sound and I like the little that like appears up there yeah i had assumed that it was uh there was like a sort of a mellow pad and then a separate thing that was just like this like white noise sweep yeah, over the yeah. top but it's just the preset that totally works though yep. and it, it, it <laughs> suits the song really really well so with the, even with presets like the selection is still a creative choice you yeah. know like you still get credit you know? <laughs> right yeah and I don't know, like I, 
it's not like I just clicked on that one. I was like, yep, this yeah. is the sound. I I went around and tried to find some stuff and was like, ooh, I like that. Yeah, let's work with it. And that's another part of it is finding a sound and not necessarily like settling for it, but just like knowing its place in the song. Mm-hmm. And so once I landed on this, I was like, ooh, I like what this is doing. This is what it's going to do. So, (laughs) I mean, even later when it... It gets a bit denser. Yeah. But again, it's still not doing very much. It's just octaves on that bottom note from the piano part. Yeah. A nice thing about how that synth works is that if you hold the note longer, those like higher things mm-hmm. start coming in. And so it kind of adds mm-hmm. that creepiness. I feel like that creepy synth is kind of what makes the song sound the way it does. Yes, it is the piano. It's mostly piano. But that just kind of pushes it over the edge to be just like that much more mm-hmm. spacey and vibey, like yeah. you said. That's <laughs> where the uh, Mission Impossible... X Blade Runner vibe <laughs> comes from. There are elements of it that do kind of belie the fact that you're exploring new tools, mm-hmm. you know? Because like in the case of that synth, there's there's an element of maybe there's a, there needs to be a pad here. Oh, that one seems cool. But there may also be an element of you find the pad and now it's like you have this new instrument and then you're responding to it and it's affecting yeah. the things that you're writing, not just the other way around. It's yeah. not like laying it out on a score and then finding sounds for everything. Mm-hmm. So, art really imitates life, imitates art. Yeah. <laughs> and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. I guess one thing I hadn't talked about yet is just the the chords, because there is the melody that is doing that thing, but there there is also just like chords in it, which is just like... Yeah. It's the three notes, but played as chords. Yeah. And so maybe later I'll add rhythms to it, So that instead of being maybe just for the whole bar, they're playing on the downbeats. Yeah. And grows a little bit. But then this little... emphasizes that part of the beat. Mm Mm-hmm. Subtle, but it, like, does a lot and creates a lot of space. So... Yeah. Once again, kind of nailing in this idea of, like, you don't have to have a whole bunch of tracks or a whole lot of anything to really do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. You can really do a lot with just a few things. And this is before you were studying composition in any real capacity. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. This was, I was studying vocal music education. So I I don't know. Well, I guess at some point I changed majors Mm -hmm. to music production, but this was before, at least this track was before. I did music production. There's just, there's a lot of like really smart kind of instinctive composition things in it that you've talked about plenty. So it's good. I like it. Thank you. This is fun. (laughs) Thanks. Mac, thank you for doing this with me. Where can we find you and your things? I play with Dr. Pants. I play with a band called Kill Carmine. I'm at Not That Mac on most of the things. And then the D&D title cards thing. Yes, that's my <laughs> new thing. It's just fun. That's been my my 
COVID obsession. I, <laughs> I play like four games of D&D a week right now. It's it's going to become a problem if it hasn't already. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, D&D title cards is the other one. Okay. But yeah. And those those are really fun. And They're cool, fun. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you want to like plug like, oh, hey, I do like mixing or whatever. Oh, I mean, yeah, I do. Uh, I do mixing. I am uh, not as versed and educated on the... Uh, electronic production side of things but if you want your guitars to sound real good i yeah. can help you yeah so yeah if anybody ever uh you know hit me up at not that mac mac siegel find yeah. me i'm in all the places yeah dang it sorry to make a point after the plugs have happened but <laughs> the like a composition thought is that composition is separate from playing an instrument but whenever you learn to play an instrument you're learning to do as much as you can with that instrument. Mm -hmm. Whenever you zoom out to the level of composition, you are using instruments themselves as like color palettes or mm -hmm. ingredients for cooking, if you will. Yeah. And so, but the, at the same time, when you know what an instrument can do, if you get really good at guitar, you know, all of the variety of sounds that you can make just mm -hmm. with the guitar. Yeah. And so maybe you don't need like a whole orchestra of instruments if you can make a lot of cool sounds just mm -hmm. with the guitar or just with the piano. Yeah. I know how to make a lot of cool sounds with the guitar. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, going back to that sort of point yeah. is that like, you don't need a whole lot of stuff if you just have, have a thing, you a can, thing that you know what to do with. Yeah. I think everything that got mentioned in terms of the composition with this is pretty much just applies to any music. And, and there will always be a thing of the instrument that you're learning on or playing on will like the fact that I learned music on guitar will forever affect the way that I write music, no matter what I'm writing for. Yeah. Like I don't like cluster voicings. I think they sound bad <laughs> because they, they're not easy to do on guitar. I like these big widespread voicings with lots yeah. of space and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, yeah, exactly. All kinds of cool stuff. All right. Yeah. And now here's ghostly in its entirety. Oh, fun.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom will be available on August 8th, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background, put it on your workout playlist, show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy the thing and get bonus content to get a bit deep into the emotions you can feel with it. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. More to come from PowerCycle in the future. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.